Well, hello again, and welcome back to the next phase with Steve Key Podcast. Today, we talk on a topic that's always near and dear to my heart, uh, the media, how we can get noticed. And there, there is no exact science other than hard work, good connections, but perhaps some tips we can learn uh, today. Gary Schneeberger has three decades in journalism and public relations. Uh, he's got a passion for success strategic marketing and communications. He's the founder and president of Roar, helping clients engage their audiences with boldness and creative clarity that ensures they're heard. Uh, he spent more than 15 years as a, an award-winning reporter for newspapers coast to coast, including the LA Times. Uh, he also is the author of a best-selling book, Bite the Dog. I guess a little play off the wag the dog bit there, but bite the dog, uh, build a PR strategy to make news that matters. Gary uh, joins us from Wisconsin today. Welcome. Uh, I've been in the business as long, if not longer than you, and I've seen many challenges and changes. I'm sure you can kind of echo those same same thoughts. Yeah, when we uh, started doing this stuff, uh, they were, you know, it was it was just about pre-computer era, uh, it, at least in terms of on our own desks, right? Um, I remember word processing systems in the newsroom I worked at first. So yeah, we've gone from that to, you know, phones that you could send emails on or even talk to people on video was like a, a science fiction when we were starting out in the communications business. So we've gone from three major networks to a 24 hour news cycle done in 24 second bits in 24 characters so it's pretty it's it's this i believe has been one of the more if not the most exciting time period to sort of have an extended career in communications i uh i started in radio and uh the the, the biggest challenge in the newsroom was getting a typewriter right worked in the chair uh, that worked <laughs> on. i remember the fax machine coming out and this was revolutionary with that that flimsy paper oh, that uh... <laughs> is crazy, uh, and and just the change. And I've 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 written about this and talked about this whole paradigm shift into the way the journalism was and uh, and what it is today. Gary, do you have a really a magic bullet for trying to get a story noticed in today's media world? Yeah, I mean one of the things ties back to the title of my book. And this is not, even though I'm a PR guy, it's not an attempt to promote my book, but the idea of bite the dog came from my first journalism job was as a cops reporter, uh, a, a police beat reporter. Uh, so I'm this, this new green police beat reporter and the veteran police beat reporter told me what you're looking for when you're going through police reports are not man, are not dog bites, man stories because dogs have been biting men since the two species met. What you're looking for are man bites dog stories. Now, not literally, although that did happen once and that's awesome when a man bites a dog, that is definitely a man bites dog story, but stories that are unusual because it's unusual for a man to bite a dog. So I called my book that bite the dog because the idea is what can we offer um, to clients that will leverage those things that I say there are three ways to uh, what I call commit news. You can meet expectations. You can 
exceed expectations or you can upset expectations. So the magic bullet would be to land on those last two. How can you and what you do and offer, especially if other people offer it, how can that be leveraged in a way that exceeds the media's expectations or best yet upsets the media's expectations? Well, you're, you're speaking to the choir here. I completely agree with what you're saying. But you can do all this behind the scenes work. And unless you have the proper spokesperson delivering that message, it's all going to fall flat. Right. Absolutely. And that's, you know, one of the things um, you can get the, the press and the TV broadcast media, radio media's attention, but you've got to hold the attention once you get it. So it's sort of a two-part process, as you know, right? You, you bite the dog, you find something that's unusual, you find an angle, an entry point that leverages something that's going on in the media or in the marketplace of ideas, leverage that. If you do that, then you're going to grab the attention of journalists. They're going to offer you their megaphone to speak to their audiences, which is uh, gold. But you're right, you've got to be able to articulate that in a way that will arrest the attention of their audiences, or it's going to fall flat, you're going to have the opportunity, you're going to have the megaphone, and no one's really going to hear what you say, or, or follow what you say in terms of getting your product, learning more about you, etc. The role of a journalist has changed so much. At, at one point, you're right, there were great specialization and you could you could build up a relationship and and and, and be able to uh, kind of help them understand what you were talking about. I found in recent years they are stretched so thin and mm -hmm. it's almost as if you have to make it easy for them. But they're also looking across multiple platforms. So that print interview, may turn into a radio bit or something for the website, or in, in the case of some of our networks here in Canada, uh, you know, four or five different platforms. It, so, so to tell your story, it not only has to be a good story, but have some visual impact as well. Absolutely. Um, and that's where, um, you know, I have a client, great example. I have a client um, who's who's, uh, he was the fifth generation heir to Australia's largest, grandest media dynasty. Um, his name's Warwick Fairfax. Uh, and the Fairfax family owned this, uh, started this company in the 1840s. And uh, Warwick, when he was 26, graduates from Harvard Business School in the US and decides he's going to, because he's the fifth generation heir and, the, and his dad had taken the company public a few years before that, um, he wanted to, in the late 80s, bring the company back under family control. And he launched a takeover bid. And he's 26 and he has his MBA from Harvard Business School, which is pretty good. But there was a recession, there was a debt load, there was some, some inexperience. It all crashed and burned. He lost in an instant a company that had been in the family for 150 years and, it, and he lost $2.25 billion with a B. I say all that to say the easiest hook I've ever had to write to get press interested is to say this guy lost $2.25 billion and he's lived to tell the tale. He's come back and he's, and he, and he's actually launched a leadership brand that helps you understand that your 
biggest crucible, right? His, his brand is called Crucible Leadership. Your biggest crucible, your biggest setback, your biggest failure can be the leaping off point to a life of significance and success. He's learned that. And that's where, you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not visual in the sense of um, uh, pictures, but it's visual in the sense that everybody can imagine 2.25 billion. I did not Every journalist from across the board that I would I would hit up, even if even if it was a sort of a cold call, would be like two point two point two five billion. And it's funny now because now I kid Warwick and say, you know, in today's money, that's four point seven billion dollars. So you've got to be able to have, to your point, Steve, you've got to be able to have multi. It's a it's theater in the round, not theater on a stage where you're just there and and everything's in front of you. You've got to be able to put together a pitch and put together a package and create to commit news that appeals on a number of different levels for those uh, social media posts, as well as those traditional newspaper, news magazine things. I always make the, the argument too, you talk briefly there about on the social side, uh, my last job, which I spent a decade uh, representing the insurance industry here in Canada, uh, and when I started in that job, the traditional media side was the go-to for everything. It was so right. important to be on the first page of the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star. And social media was in its infancy. Uh, around Somewhere around the middle of the last uh, decade, the, the pendulum shifted. Mm-hmm. And even today, I'm finding that, that companies are, are using social to... Uh, to really tell their story and make inroads into, in some cases, niche audiences. But right. it has made a huge, huge difference in the way that people get their, their news. I also speak at a lot of schools. And what scares me about this, this, this trend is you'll ask the class, um, you know, how do you get your news? And nary a hand goes up when I ask about daily newspapers. Right. And that, that bothers me, yeah. but uh, maybe, maybe it is a reflection of the change. I, I wanted to talk briefly about your book. Yep. Uh, Thank you. So if, if someone, what is this book really aimed at? Who, who are you trying to reach and what are they going to learn if I, if I read through this? Yeah, the, I mean, the book is, uh, is aimed at anybody who uh, leads an organization or has a business or just wants to commit news, create news, create buzz, uh, create uh, a bigger platform for their, all those things I just said, business, uh, you know, uh, club, uh, company, whatever. Um, and the idea behind it is I sort of walk everybody through every chapter while I don't come right out and say it, every chapter from one through, how many chapters are in this book? One through, I think eight. Uh, each chapter is, is, is a stepping stone that helps you. So, so we start out talking about just who is the media. And, and to your point that you just talked about, it's changed over time. But we also talk a little bit about the media is not, I always tell clients, because there are a lot of people who think the media is evil and they're out to get you. And they're, I always say somewhere between best friends forever and spawns of Satan is where all the media falls. <laughs> Um, because you don't want to treat them because at the end of the day, they still have to get a story. And if you, if you cozy up to them too much, they're not above, you know, reporting something that's, that you think's off the record and, and, and that, but they're also not evil. I find most of them having been a journalist myself, I never got together in a group and said, let's find a way to stick it to this group of people that we don't like. Um, 
we, you know, as journalists, we want to tell a story. And, and you know, if there's a headline to this book, I'm holding it up and we're on audio. Isn't that funny? Because <laughs> um, we're talking about how you need, vid- you know, visuals, right? Um, if there's a headline to this book, it's this. I never offer, and, and, and your listeners should never, should never ask media for anything. We should always offer media something. So don't ask them, cover my event because it's so cool. Offer them, your readers will find this interesting because A, B, and C. Because at the end of the, because the truth is your audience, when you're pitching media, isn't the media. Your audience is their audience, right? Your audience is their audience. And they're like the, the, the football's defensive line at the goal line trying to stop you to get in the end zone. You got to get through them to get in the end zone. That's where their listeners, readers, viewers live. So you want to give them something that, that says, I'm offering you this because your readers, viewers, listeners will find it interesting because it exceeds or upsets expectations. Wonderful. Now, if someone wants to uh, buy a copy of your book, what's, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, Amazon.com, which is where like 90% of the books in the country are bought, but uh, also anywhere fine books or even not so fine books are, are sold, I guess. Um, but online at Amazon uh, is where you can get it. Uh, I'm amazed. Uh, you know, it's been out um, uh, three and a half years now, and it's still, um, you know, there's still people who will uh, express an interest in uh, wanting to talk about it. Or I kind of forget, I wrote this book to, um, to uh, offer to, you know, to, to help attract maybe clients. Do I give away the keys to every room in the, in the public relations house in this book? No, uh, but I give away enough. Uh, and I certainly suggest enough that um, you can buy this book and you can sort of I don't recommend managing your own PR. They say in, 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 in legal cases, he who has himself for a client has a fool for a lawyer. Or no, he, he who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client. He who tries to be his own PR person at a certain level, the higher you go, not always the wisest decision. Guys like me, guys like Steve are guys you want to hire to help do that kind of stuff. But there are some tips that, that are in the book that can help you manage it on your own. And I'll give one away for, and I give it away in the book for free. I'll give it away on your show for free. Google alerts. <laughs> if you do google.com slash alert, you can go and type in any phrase that pertains to your business and your undertaking, including your name. And you can get updated as often as you want, once a day, once a week, as it happens. And you'll know what's being talked about in the media sphere. And once you see that, and once you see what people are talking about, you can find a way to leverage what you do. Hopefully you do it in a way that exceeds and upsets expectations. Uh, upsets expectations, you can match that to what's going on in the culture. You'll have names of journalists who, who are writing the stories that show up in the Google Alerts and you can reach out and pitch them. Well, wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so much. Uh, there's lots more stories you have. Perhaps we can check in from time to time on, on some pressing issues. Can uh, I tell you the highlight of my PR career that just happened three days ago? It'll take like sure, a second sure, or two. The new highlight of my PR career, I've done a lot of stuff, okay? I've I've run campaigns for a Super Bowl commercial. I've run campaigns. I worked in Hollywood and promoted films. I've run campaigns for Oscar-winning films. I've, you know, I've, I've run campaigns for, uh, for big businesses. Um, but I never until Saturday morning did I create a campaign for Homecoming Queen. 
<laughs> I have a client whose daughter is running for homecoming queen. And he asked me, hey, can you come up with a slogan that might help my daughter out? And I spent as much time trying to figure that out because going back, and this will tie up this episode nicely, going back to what we talked about, things have changed so much. So I'm thinking up, you know, the his daughter's name is Brooke. And I'm thinking up things like... Um, for a for a prom that's off the hook, vote for Brooke. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, teenagers have no idea what off the hook means now, right? Off the hook was something that's like 20 years old. So we came up with something. Finally, I came up with something and she, I'm so proud. She had something in her mind that she was gonna use. She tossed hers aside and used my idea. So uh, I, I'm hoping that Brooke wins homecoming queen here uh, uh, at a high school in Kenosha. Well, <laughs> we'll have to check in on <laughs> success. Uh, with that, I'm going to wrap up another edition of the next phase with Steve Key podcast. Always looking for guests. You can find us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, a host of others. You want to find me uh, at Steve underscore Key, K-E-E on Twitter and Instagram, or just email me. I'll, I'll put the link in the, in the description. Thanks for listening and have a great day.